Well, it's all about life, love, and the pursuit of happiness and time to go inside EMS. It's the Chris and Kelly Show, or depending on which part of the United States you're on, the Kelly and Chris Show, which we, we really don't like it either way, right? It has to be our way. <laughs> but uh, with that said, the man of the hour, too sweet to be sour. The ladies know he's the man with the power, the one we call Kelly Grayson. Kelly Grayson, what's going on? Oh, man, just this usual. I'm at... Uh... I'm at Liberty Con this weekend in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So you're uh, making the rounds, man. Next week I'm we're going to talk about your books. You got some more books coming out. Yeah. But one yeah. of the things that we're getting, Kelly, that uh, we'll set up for our next show is people are asking us how are we doing it and how do we write, and we're going to mm-hmm. give some tips. So one of the things that I'll set up uh, for you to prepare for next week is everybody has a book title in them. So think about your book title. And when you come to next week's show, we are going to give you tips on how to make that book a reality. Um, but today, you know, I'm just excited that you're here yeah, for another day. And yeah. uh, how are things going down there in Pitkin, Louisiana? Uh, Pitkin's, Pitkin's Pitkin. It's uh, it's um, one of these days we'll, we'll catch up to the 21st century. Uh, it's hot. It's hot. Um uh, it's hot. We we've we've reached our standard summertime weather pattern of ninety by nine, uh, ninety degrees, ninety percent humidity by nine a.m. And you you stewing your own juices out here. It's it's not good. Just a couple weeks from July, man. So we're gonna hit that hot weather soon, man. Right? No, we're there, dude. We're well, there. It's gonna get hotter though, isn't it? Isn't July and August gonna be worse? Yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty. Right and now, we're so. getting into getting into hurricane season. And uh, from the weather, there's already ones forming. Yeah, well, good so, luck with that, man. Yeah, lovely. But I'm gonna I'm gonna sit back here and I'm gonna wait for that hurricane to happen. And uh, the under over right now for if Kelly's gonna lose his home is uh, three. So it's dude, happen three. Dude, do not do not jinx it. Hurricane Laura was bad enough. I, I still have trees down in my yard that I have to cut up and haul away. Uh, from two years ago in Hurricane Laura, so don't 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 you put that evil on me, Ricky? Bobby. All right, man. I'll take it back. I'll take it back. I'm taking the hex back. So you've got a uh, you've got a, a new article and and uh, and video out on servant leadership. Tell us about it. Yeah, I've been uh, you know I've I've been working on the uh, you know EMS one is starting to make the push to doing more video. And hence the shows. Here we are, right? Yeah. Face to face. People see what Kelly and Chris look like. Got and, a face uh, made for radio, baby. Exactly. You do. That's <laughs> right. And, uh, but one of the things I've been working on is some leadership articles. And the one I just did is on servant leadership. I've got one coming out. Uh, I'm not sure when it will be on how to deal with defensive people. And then the next one is what, uh, what do you mean by that? Yeah, exactly. What do you mean by that? That's the, all the years of working trying to say something? I, I got some <laughs> tips for you on how to do that. And then, uh, you know, how to coach people, how, you know, talk yeah. about coaching. But, uh, you know, servant leadership to me, uh, you know, just to give you a little bit of background, and that's what we're going to talk about today is the article and how uh, servant leadership is important. There are a lot of leadership styles out there, Kelly, when we mm-hmm. talk about you know, uh, servant leadership and transactional leadership and transformational leadership. Exactly. (laughs) Autocratic. And Mm -hmm. one of the things is that as a leader, I've got to be able to have a smattering of leadership style. I can't just Mm -hmm. have one style because the way I lead a Kelly Grayson at 40 years of experience 
is not the way that I lead a six-month employee who you comes in a, a brand spanking new employee, right? But one to, of the things yeah. that we've got to be able to think about is that our work has to be done on that of service, right? Mm -hmm. My job as a leader is to get work done through other people. It's not for me to pad my resume and to be, you know, authoritative and command and control. It's all about getting work done through other people. And to yeah. do that, the true measurement of leadership success is how engaged, satisfied, and productive the workforce is. That's my definition, how engaged, satisfied, and productive the workforce is. Because everything that we do is based around our workforce. I never get a call to say, how come you're not following the budget? I never get a call to say, how come those ambulances are you know, not getting uh, their inspections? I never get, but I get a call to say, why are your employees late? Why are they not delivering the highest quality of patient care? Mm -hmm. Why are they not getting along with the folks in the emergency room? Right? Those are the calls that we get. And we've got to be able to ensure that we're serving them. They don't work for me. I work for them. And one of the things exactly. I was recently, uh, you know, on another podcast where we talked about we need to reverse the organizational chart and put the employees at the top. And the leaders at the bottom, because they're the most important Good part. way to look at you it. Know, and I want to give you one more thing before I take your next question. Is the what I believe as a leader is that my job as the chief of the department is not any more important than your job of working on the ambulance. It's just that we have different roles and responsibilities into reaching the vision. I have to worry about vision and strategy and mm -hmm. and you know, those you've got to worry about the equipment and the ambulance and delivering the highest quality of pay. Why is your job any harder than mine or any more important than mine? We need each yeah. other to do our jobs. Exactly. And I think we forget that sometimes. Uh, a lot of so-called leaders forget that sometimes. And, and uh, I don't really think of those people that, that lose sight of that fact as leaders, uh, they're managers and there is a difference. Um, but you mentioned, you know, the servant leadership being the, the kind of all-encompassing uh, style, and and that's what it is. It's you have to take a smattering of each style and use it to make the people around you better. And all too often, uh, um, purported leaders forget that. Uh, my military friends call it practicing responsibility upward. Mm -hmm. uh, don't do anything that you don't expect your uh, don't don't expect your subordinates to do anything that you wouldn't do. Uh, and do whatever you can within your job description to make their jobs easier. Right. So as a as a renowned EMS leader uh, and a pundit, <laughs> how's that for soft soap? Oh, Jesus. Um, how's that for as a leader, well-known leadership advocate, what do uh -huh. you think is the number one commandment of being a servant leader? The, the most important thing, if you had to rank them. Yeah, and I think that servant leadership has 10 elements to make it successful. But to your question, I want to change it a little bit. I think that the, the most important component of servant leadership is to realizing that it's an honor for you to be in the position that you're in, and you can get taken out of that position as fast as you were put into it. Just because you have the gold bars and the gold badge doesn't mean that you're a leader. You're just some dude in a white shirt with a gold badge and gold bars. And your and, subordinates so, are saying you have white shirt syndrome. Yeah. You know, it, and that's really what it is. And I used to ask my leaders that all the time on their first day. How does it, how does it feel to be a leader? Oh, you know, uh, I'm worried and I'm stressed and I'm, well, you're not a leader. You're just some chick in a white shirt right now. Right? <laughs> yeah. You've got to be able now to earn your leadership every day. 
And yeah. leadership isn't leadership is is a is a verb. It's not a noun. You know, your position is you're the FTO, you're the supervisor, you're the manager. That's that's your position. But leadership yeah. is an action, and you've got to show that action every day. So I think the most important thing is to know that your job is to serve other people. It's not for them to serve you, and uh, you have to be able to set forward down that path. Okay. Okay. Um, what what kind of skills do you think that a, a uh, servant leader should bring to the table? Yeah, I mean, there's so many, right? I mean... The, the way that I wrote the articles, we talked about really quick the 10 components mm-hmm. of emotional intelligence. I'm sorry, of servant leadership. Emotional intelligence will be a whole other article. Kelly, get in on that one. And um, But when it comes to skill, I mean, it really comes down to being able to listen to people and understand them. You know, it, it, one of the things that people used to say all the time is we got to listen to our employees. We got to listen to our employees. And I'm going to tell you to stop listening to what your employees are saying. That doesn't work. Stop listening to what your employees are saying. Instead, start listening. Listen to me. Start listening to what your employees are feeling. Because if you can hear their, if you can hear their emotions or feel their emotions, you'll hear their words. And, you know, this is where empathy comes in as well. So understanding where they're coming from and understanding, you know, what's important to them. And I got to tell you, man, this comes down to experience, right? I mean, Kelly, how many times have you had problems with your schedule? How many yeah. is the way you deal with your schedule today, the way you dealt with it when you first started 30 years ago, no. No. you know what I mean? How, how many times have you had problems with a partner is the way you have problems with a partner today, the way you had problems with them 30 years ago. So no. when someone comes in and they have problems and they want to stab their partner in the eye with a pencil, um, I think that we have to be able to understand and give them the tools they need to make that relationship work right? We're putting two people in an ambulance together for 12 hours a day, four days a week, or 24 hours a day on, 24 hours a day off, and we just expect them to be happy. What is our responsibility in making them understand and having them be the best that they can be? Look, I want to give you this. What do we want from our leaders, our supervisors and managers? We want them to be professional. Mm -hmm. We want them to have good communication skills. We want them to have good... um, uh, conflict resolution skills. Mm-hmm. We want them to inspire. We want them to be motivated. What do we want from our workforce? We want them to look good in their uniform. All those we things, want yeah. them to have, it's the same thing. Yeah. Right. Our yeah. workforce are the leaders in our field as well. Leadership is all about influence. If you can influence people, you can lead people. And one of the things that we need to think about from a servant leadership standpoint is to do all the things that we can do to ensure that our workforce is as successful as they can be. That's the secret to good leadership. Yeah. And and in doing that, you are growing the next generation of leaders. Now, I found something interesting in in your uh, how to serve your workforce uh, in your in your article. There's a uh, one of your tenets is a show belief in the team. Now, everybody, that's that's intuitively obvious. You know, hey, we're here for you. We, you know, I believe in you. How do you put power to the words? How do you how do you demonstrate belief in your team? I think the first thing is you've got to understand that your success as a leader is based on their success as a worker, number one. yeah. Number two is when employees come to us, they come to us with some knowledge and they come to us with some skill and they come to us with some ability. Mm-hmm. And if we don't take them and grow them to the, I'm not hiring you for what you did in the past. 
I'm hiring you for what you're going to do for me in the future. And if I don't grow your knowledge, skills, and ability, I'm only getting what you already gave some other employee or employer, right? So what I want to be able to do is to put a tenant to that, into good teamwork, is to take an active role in helping them grow to their next level. And letting them know that I'm there for them. I'm there. You know, what's your goals? Where do you see yourself? How can I help? You know, maybe they want to go to the fire department. Maybe they want to go yeah. to nursing school. Maybe they want to go to, you know what? Mm-hmm. Let them go. And you know what? We need to track that as part of retention, right? We need to track it to say, you know, 30% of the people who come work here have gotten to work at the fire department. You know, 17% of the people who have come here to work, they've gotten into medical school and use those as recruiting uh, tools as well. And people will come to us and th- they'll be with us for two or three years before they get to that next step. Because who are they going to call? That fire chief is going to call to say, tell me about Kelly Grayson. Well, he bitch, you know, he complains. He's, he's always, <laughs> he's always, you know, bitching about things. He doesn't keep his ambulance tidy. And, you know, wh- where does that lead you? Right. But I can say, you know, Kelly Grayson was involved in teaching. He was involved in the CQI process mm-hmm. and he would be a really great employee. Um, so my job truly has to be making them the best that they can be. And I think that that's how you, how you give them the feeling of teamwork. Yeah. So, so follow up on that. What do you, if I were to say, um, you've got one of those, uh, you've got a, uh, a leader or a supervisor in your organization that, that is a micromanager. He he feels a need to tell everyone how to do their jobs. Uh, you think that's corrosive and and counterintuitive to to showing that you believe in the that you have belief in your team? No, I think it is, man. I think it really is. But here is what we have to be able to get to. It's not the corrosiveness of micromanaging. It's the failure of the leadership above them to recognize that they're micromanaging because they could be doing it because they have a control issue. They could be doing it because they have a lack of confidence issue. They could be doing, you know what I mean? So we've (laughs) got to be, it's my job now. So if the supervisor is not doing what they need to do as a manager who is above them, I need to Mm -hmm. be able to fix that. But micromanaging has no place in business and it may have a place for a little while until you find something else to do. Yeah. So I, there's, there's another tenant here that is a hot button issue in EMS. Now you see it in all these memes in these EMS social media groups show appreciation. How about another pizza party? (laughs) We don't want another pizza party. We'd like a living wage. How do you, how do you really genuinely show appreciation uh, to your workforce uh, and balance, uh, balance that with the needs of the company? Yeah, sometimes it's just a simple thank you. You know, it's just a yeah. simple great job. It's just a simple, you know, uh, you know, the, you're the employee of the week, and I'm going to go out and run your shift today. Take the day mm-hmm. off, man. I'm going to run your shift today. And you've got to be able to come up with those things, right? You know, pizza parties are great. Don't knock the pizza parties, man. I want mm-hmm. give me give me my pizza, right? Because that's something. But a I pizza just don't... party when you're not when you're not paid a living wage is is but pretty you know, hollow. The, this now we get into the discussion about pay, right? And EMS is EMS, and the career field is the challenge with pay. It's not the organization that's the challenge with pay. And I've said this all the time. You know, I send the. You know, my daughter was just she had a little issue, and they called the ambulance. And, uh, you know, she lives in Texas. She got a $1,500 ambulance bill mm-hmm. and she didn't have That's insurance. About, huh? So she's going to pay it. Right. And, yeah. but you know what, when I send that $1,500 ambulance bill out the door and 70% 
of my, um, you know, the people that I serve have Medicare or Medicaid. I'm only getting, you know, from Medicare, $427 yeah. in reimbursement. Yeah. So yeah, I'm that's, charging that's you $1,500, but I'm yeah. only getting $430 back. That's How what do a I lot of people that? don't understand is and we that's drink the from challenge, a very finite right? revenue pool. If we can get, you know, $1,500 reimbursement for a $1,500 ambulance call, that gives me more opportunity to buy more things and pay more money. But, you know, it's, it's, you're almost running at a loss for every single call. Yeah. I, I remember when, when my employer started their, their, uh, treatment in place and, and, uh, their ET3 pilot program, uh, and alternate destination transport and everything and made that virtually a company wide thing. Um, they, one of the things they did, uh, after the first several months of the program was they gave, uh, pretty much everybody a whopping raise, uh, because of the money that they had, uh, the, the increase in revenue that they had gotten, uh, through that program. They, they wanted to, to kind of, kind of pay it forward. Uh, and that let us know, uh, a great deal that we were appreciated and that what we were doing to kind of <laughs> diversify our revenue stream was, uh, was important and, and, and how that, uh, how that translated to, to better salaries along the way. So Mr. Uh, Mr. Cebolero, the great and powerful, how much does your ego play into it? Yeah. I mean, leadership is all about ego, right? I mean, and I yeah, had yeah. a horrible, horrible ego in, in my leadership career, my younger days, it was mm -hmm. all about me. I, I came and the problem was I came out of the military and, yeah. you know, in my formative years of spending 12 years in the military, you know, if you don't like my order, come rub your nose up and down knees a few times, right? <laughs> and, you know, that's what you so would tell us. Throwing your chevrons exactly, place, right? yeah. And my stripes, you don't like it, come rub your nose up and down these stripes a few times. But now when you get in the, in the, in the civilian world, you've got to be able to change. Remember, people like you and I, we were trained by the baby boomers who said, I don't care what you want to do. You either do this yeah. job or you get out. I'll yeah. fire you right now. They they drove us until we couldn't do no more. And then what was the answer after that? Or what was the response after that? Do more. Yeah. Right? They didn't they didn't care about us. So now as we start to grow into our leadership career and we have the, you know, the millennials who are coming behind us, and now we've got to lead them, that wasn't going to work with them. So you've got to remember that in the job that you're in as a leader, again. The humility of doing that job, the honor of being called a chief, of being called a supervisor, of being called a manager, you know, live that every day. What what did you feel the very first day you became, uh, you know, you, you got your uh, title? You have to be able to live that every day and you have to be able to earn the right to sit in the chair every single day and make the decisions for the workforce who's looking to you to be their role models and mentors. And this isn't about you. This isn't about your accomplishments. If you can have strong employee engagement, and if you could have good satisfaction, and these pe you know these people who are working with us are delivering the highest quality of patient care, you you'll be known. You'll be known for your leadership prowess. Um, but just remember that it's not about you. You, you know what? The, the the how many times I got fired from leadership positions because I was stupid and acting up and not doing the right thing. You know what? Oh, Didn't make a difference. <laughs> Those EMS agencies are still there doing the work. Right? Yeah. And it'll be there after you leave. So yeah. just don't think that you're the end-all be-all because you're not. Well, speaking of the, the end-all and be-all and the example that you set, um, 
we all know, you know, one of, one of your tenets here is, is set a vision for success. Yeah. How do you as a leader embody the company's vision? Yeah, yeah, what was it? What was it? Peter Drucker said is uh, a culture eats strategy for breakfast. And, yeah. and unless you can get your people to buy into the vision and the mission, um, it, it's going to die on the vine. How do you as a leader embody that vision and, and live it? Yeah, this is probably going to be a long one. So this may be the last answer we <laughs> right. have here. But right. uh, so vision is where you're your going. Answer. Vision yeah. is where you're going. Strategy yeah. is how you're going to get there. Culture is the behavior of the organization in reaching the vision, right? So when Drucker says uh, strategy, uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast, you can have an amazing vision. We're going to be the EMS service of the year. You're going to have all these these programs in place and all these policies that are going to get you and the goals that are going to get you to the vision. But if the workforce is a toxic culture, it makes yeah. no difference. Right. Yeah. So one of the things that you've got to be able to do is develop a vision for success. Every organization that I talk to, whether it's inside EMS and I do a lot of work outside EMS, I just had this conversation with a manufacturing organization today. I asked the leaders, tell, do you guys have a vision for your organization? And, uh, you know, the different departments, they raised their hand. I said, good, who can recite it for me? Who could tell me the vision of the organization? Yeah. And no hands went up to come up and recite it. If the leaders of the organization don't know what the vision is, then yeah. why does the workforce need to be working towards that vision? And if you don't know what the vision is in your organization, go to the book that it's in, dust it off, and throw it out. And then get your leaders to the table and get your workforce to the table and create yeah. a new vision and then build a campaign around it. Put yeah. it on your badges, put it on your posters, put it on your ambulances. And everybody has a responsibility to reach the vision. Kelly, if I tell you to think about a boat, you don't see the letters B-O-A-T. You see a boat. You picture a mm -hmm. boat. We are wired to think in pictures. And then the absence of a vision of a picture of where we're going uh, we won't know when we're going to get there. You know, when I went to my last operational role at Christian Hospital, and I told them, I said, look, who, who the heck am I and why should you follow me? I promise you that if you follow me, we will compete and win EMS service of the year nationally. How was that for a vision? Well, that was in 2010. We won it in 2014. I said, that's bold talk for a one-eyed fat man. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> no you're absolutely right. <laughs> My it standard is, right? movie reference. But that yeah. was the important of vision as I told them, if we do this together, you will be recognized mm -hmm. as the best leadership service in the country. And it took us four years to do it. Good, good. But I mean, well, I think that's it. But check out the article, read the mm -hmm. tenants. You know, they, I did a little video for it as well. And if you have any questions, man, go ahead and send it to us at the show at EMS1.com. But, you know, yeah. it's probably time for us to do what we got to do and get up on air. Yeah. And we'll have the show link in the, uh, we'll have the article link in the, uh, in the comments. And for myself and co-host Chris Civilero, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. Going to catch you guys next week. <laughs>